Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. October 13th, 2091. Scott, are you sure we're, you're muted? I can hear you. You can hear me because it's coming through the phone. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. October 13th, 2091. Captain Rage Reynolds report. As we approached our destination, we received yet another distress signal, this time emanating from Saturn, specifically the second largest moon, Rie. The moon was being mined using a new process called planet cracking. The vessel overseeing this operation, the USG Ishimura, picked up a strange monolithic artifact, which was causing the colonists to exhibit psychosis. We'll have to keep Benson Kennison away from this one. According to Head of Security, Alyssa Vincent, a group of alien flesh-eating creatures begin consuming the crew, those that didn't succumb to madness, that is. Much of the crew escaped. Both the crew and the colony were overrun, according to her report, those that remained. She attributes this to the artifact on board. She concludes by asking for us to destroy the vessel and the colony. Not being equipped with a nuclear arsenal, we relayed the message to Admiral Forrest. We will await his further instructions until then. Captain Rage Reynolds, out. October 16, 2090. Admiral Forrest's response arrived today concerning the Ishimura. He ordered us to continue on with our mission and forget the vessel. He also ordered us to scrub all logs of this occurrence. He said this falls under the purview of another branch of government and some religious group called the Unitarians. Perhaps it's best if we depart. He then ordered us to pass the job on to a mining ship, the USG Kellyan, and ordered us to proceed with our mission. I'm uncertain as to why a mining vessel was chosen, but I am happy to avoid this threat. It seems that all hell is breaking loose in space. Captain Rage Reynolds out. Computer, delete the previous two recordings. Previous recordings deleted. Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 215, Dead Space Downfall, Zombies in Space. And with that, a merry Halloween almost weekend to you. Sickies, we are back, and the last two episodes we have covered vampires in space. Now we're on zombies in space. I'm wondering if our next episode will be about werewolves in space. Hmm, I'm gonna have to look into that. At any rate, we are diving into Dead Space uh, Downfall, which is kind of a prequel to the video game franchise. The video game franchise, uh, it spawned several games, books, and a few movies. We're doing the first one, Downfall, but there's also a movie, animated movie called Aftermath. And all of these things came out not chronologically. However, there is a chronological story. And I do know that this whole series, Dead Space, was designed with the intense intent of creating a franchise. And I don't know how I feel about that. I um I, I know I sound I might sound a little hypocritical here, but anything that starts with a let's make a big franchise just seems a little 
disingenuous. And that's just me, though. Um, if your argument, counter argument is, but Rage, you like the MCU. Not anymore. I'm kind of really sick of it. I wish they, I wish they'd ended it at Endgame, but that's another issue. Two yes, things. Two I, thi- oh, go ahead, Thomas. I was going to say, when you create a universe like they did in Dead Space, I think you can get away with it because you're making an entire different universe to basically, you're making a sandbox to play it. Yeah, I guess I'd feel better about it if I knew they were coming at it purely from a, hey, I want to create something new than if I, and and I'd have to look into this. I don't know offhand. Since you haven't played the game, I think once you play the game, you understand though. Well, and that may very well be. That may very well be. I just, for me, considering this is a triple A AAA game company making it, I immediately smell some rank businessman. And yes, Scott, I know. Here, let me do it for you. That's their job to make money. Money, money, money. It's a business money. Okay, I get it. No, 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 not, because... not that at all. I was going to say that um, if you're right, you shouldn't set out to create a universe and make a series. You should set out to make one movie, and then after it's massively successful, uh, change it to episode four and tease everyone that you wrote out a whole backstory that you really didn't, and then work on developing that over the next 40 years. And there's the Scott accusing me of hypocrisy, even though I already did it. Thank you for coming to the game, even though the game has already crossed the finish line. Scott. I was making fun of George Lucas, not you. Oh, well... (laughs) The point is, Lucas never said he had the whole story written out. He's never said that. Now, if you want me um, to, if you want me to take a a, a a a funny shot, you know, you Mark, what you remind me of now is the guy who finds an indie band and really loves that indie <laughs> band and wants everyone to listen to it until they become successful, and then you hate them. <laughs> uh, nope, 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 nope. And here, here. Well, let me take a shot at you. Why really their money? Money, money, money. Let's just do money. Let's just make whatever garbage fire money. And this will well, go into the I real behind the malady. I don't care what happens to Star started. Trek as long as there's Star Trek and money. I don't care. Star Trek, money, money, Star Trek. Just give me more Star Trek. I'll eat whatever slops it says Star Trek on it. Hey, was Admiral Forrest really the name of the character in Dead Space, or was that a nah, nod I to the, the, the Admiral from Enterprise? Nah, I just pulled that from Enterprise. I okay. needed a name, and that was the first one that came up. There's your Star Trek tie-in. <laughs> oh, sure. And we so we covered both bases. But um, so let's jump in here to the fun facts. I know normally I try to do plot first, but the thing is, there really aren't many fun facts here. I Of all the trivia I tried to find, most of it was about the game or the franchise itself. And again, let me hammer this home. I just said I don't know how I feel about it. It doesn't mean I'm anti it. I have never played it, so I can't say for sure either way. But in the process of looking for this, most of the trivia and fun facts were about the franchise or the games. So the only two I can dig up here about just this exact film is that one, the movie's a mix of classic hand-drawn and CG animation, which we'll get into. Uh, but the more interesting one, and Thomas, you might find this interesting there at some point, this chief security, Alyssa finds a blonde girl and she says, do you ever want to see your boyfriend again? Oh, and I she says, know. Yes. 
That's uh, Nicole, Isaac mm-hmm. Clark's girlfriend from the first video game. Which oh, takes I know. Okay, you knew that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, she that shows up during the whole video game. She's in the video game too. Okay, so yeah, they inserted her, and she's the one. Of course, they don't name drop Isaac, but you know, if you know the game, you know who that is. Um, of course, if you don't know the game, it, that little hint and morsel isn't there, but it's a nice touch. It's still a nice touch, though. So you don't have to play the game to appreciate that scene. So uh, I guess what we'll do now is I'm going to cover the plot. And then because it bleeds right in to the first video game, which was the first product ever made, that's correct, Thomas? Yes. This franchise, Thomas is going to pick up and run with the ball and tell us where this is going, at least in terms of the first game. And then we'll discuss the second and third game ever so briefly, or rather why we're not doing it. But the story takes place in 2508, and humanity is going to other planets doing a process called planet cracking to get the resources out because Earth is dried up. And there is a ship called the USG Ishimura, which is doing conducting an illegal operate, mining operation when they discover a monolithic uh, artifact, which looks like one on Earth. And so... They wind up taking it on board, and what they find out, too, before they take it on board is that the colonists who have found it are going nuts. And they bring it on board, and it starts having the same effect on the crew. And at the same time, it starts creating these creatures that are called necromorphs in the game that start attacking and slaughtering the whole crew. To make matters worse, the captain of the Ishimura, it turns out, is a Unitarian. A Unitarian is a, it's a church, which Thomas will be able to describe probably a little bit better. Does the first game discuss it more than this? Not really. Okay. Well, Well, um, you find out more about it later in the series. Okay. All right. Well, but you get the you get kind of a Scientology vibe coming off of these people, and they're trying to worship this artifact. And the captain turns out to be a Unitarian plant who is trying to get the artifact on board and take it back to Earth. And of course, the head of security, Alyssa Vincent, wants none of this because she sees the effect it's having on the crew. And in the end, the necromorphs pop up, start eating people up to death, and the security team finds out bullets are pretty useless against the necromorphs, but cutting them in half sure works. And uh, in the end, she finds out that the necromorphs can't go near the monolith. And she decides to, the whole crew by that point is dead. She, she manages to prevent a scientist from dropping the ship onto the planet to destroy it. And then she winds up giving a distress signal saying, stay away. And she jettisons the necromorphs out the ship, sends out the beacon, and dies. And the the film ends exactly where the video game picks up. That is the USG Kellyan, which Thomas will describe more, responding to the distress signal. And it ends with the necromorphs overrunning the ship, the Ishimura, and you hear over the radio the Kellyan saying, we are boarding. So that's how the that's how downfall ends. The game and and 
we should say uh this is not required viewing to understand the game right no it shouldn't be considering it got made after the fact no this is more of a hey i wonder what happened beforehand oh this fills it in yeah now you get the vibe though right they give you the bare basics of what happened on the ishimura right in the game or the in the game in the game you... well this is this is where we should kind of jump into discussing the game some yeah, definitely that's this we're at that point here because you do find out a lot of what happened on the ship through picking up logs and uh, recordings, uh, both audio and video, uh, and just traversing the ship. Um, you don't find out everything, but you do find out some. Again, this is a horror thing, so it doesn't... It still leaves a lot of stuff up in the air. Uh, put, and pretty much the whole time uh, you're trying to rescue your girlfriend, too. So, mm -hmm. so, so what, what, what's the basic storyline? I gave a quick uh, non-one-a-minute plot of the film. What's the basic non-one-minute plot of the game? Um, well, you respond to the distress call. Obviously, you're going there because your girlfriend's there, too. Uh, you tr when landing, you instead of successfully landing, malfunction and crash land, and pretty much now you're stuck there, and the entire rest of the mission, uh, well, game is trying to a get from one place to another to discover what's happening, then to escape what's happening, and rescue your girlfriend. Now, and, oh, and I'm sorry, it, I got I got one quick question. So you're you're um you're trying to rescue your girlfriend. Are you the main? The, what's the name of the main character? Isaac. In, Isaac. Okay. Isaac is he like the captain of the ship? No, he's just a miner. Okay, he's, so he just happens to know that you know by coincidence my girlfriend's on this ship. Pretty much. Okay. Well, he knows what ship she's on, and that's the ship. Okay, so it just happens that way, and it becomes, therefore, a goal of his. Well, holy crap, my girlfriend's on here. I got to get her. Yeah, and she's you're getting messages from her. Okay. She's, like, calling and saying, hey, hey, I'm over here, and help over here, and stuff like that. Oh, that's creepy. Oof. Well, this is old game, so I'm going to spoil it somehow. Um, yeah, go ahead. We're a spoiler show. She's not alive. Well, that's not a surprise given the ending of this movie. Yeah, well, she's not alive. This is the monolith screwing with Isaac's head. Oh. So the entire time, this he's being led around by a non-existent girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and this game has that type of horror aspect to it because again it's you have a monolith that screws with your mind and your memories and everything just you you start hallucinating i mean it gets weird um and then it's reanimating dead corpses 
So you get jump scares, you get massive, disturbing things. Uh, I mean, this movie touched on it for one second. The little tiny uh, baby-looking, I think it's, uh, I can't even remember the name right now, but those things are actually babies. Yeah, they're like double-headed babies or whatever. Yeah, with the spike coming out the back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first time you ran across those in the game was going, I believe, going through a nursery. Okay, so they doubled down, and that 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 gives me a Doom Three vibe. If any of you guys have ever played that, yeah, this is kind of a lot of Doom, because yeah, these creatures are horrifying, and reason we're not going into really game two and three is because they kind of ran into the Star Wars issue where they just kept having to go bigger. Mm. Because, I mean, during one, you're fighting basically the creatures that are massive and size of ships and size of the crater. By the end of three, you're fighting a moon. Oh, um, okay. That's a problem. So fighting a moon? Yes. That reminds me of the tall man's gigantic sphere from uh, Phantasm, what, 3, 4? Yeah. Uh, You're fighting a moon? Yeah. This doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Is it like a living planet, like in um, Guardians of the Galaxy? I I don't know. Uh, Made up of necromorphs, and they all become one giant... Yeah, it's a moon. That's the problem with escalation. The more you do it, the more ridiculous it gets. Because as I understand, too, and I was just reading a few articles about this franchise and related to this show, this movie, um, what one of the criticisms someone gave was that the necromorphs look great, but the problem is you see too much of them. Whereas in the game, there's a lot of shadows, there's a lot of scare, there's a lot of Yes. You're not exactly sure what and what the the glimpses you get are horrifying. Well, and that's yes. it. It's glimpses. It's not like out in your face in full oh, technicolor no, everything. No. This movie shows way more and everything. The thing is the lighting in the game for one is terrible in the good way. You have emergency lighting basically and lights flicker and it's that horror aspect. So you, everything's in the dark. You're using a flashlight. You can barely see most of the enemies. They will jump out at you. You get a good image of them when they're killing you, which is another thing. This game does not shy away from when you die. It shows you very graphically how you just died. Right. But you... I mean, the flying ones, the first time you really see them is in the shadows. And you're just like, what did I see? What? Huh? <laughs> yeah, so, they keep it in the periphery a lot. That's what I, that's what the person said. And, they, and then he was like, this is why it was more freaky in the game. Well, I mean, because you aspect, didn't get to see everything. There's the aspect of you playing it. So it's more interactive. There's definitely that. Sure, sure. But yes, the the lighting and showing. the showing of it is very different. There's a lot of stuff in the background and in the shadows, and you don't see a lot of it 
which kind of gives you that horror aspect. And even when you're being attacked, it's in the dark. <laughs> I see. So how does the game end? Well, first, before we get to the ending, is, as far as gameplay is concerned, um, two questions. One, what's the perspective? Is it FPS? Is it um, third uh, person? Third person? It's a third person. Okay. Okay, so third person. Uh, the other question I have is I've heard, I read that unlike Doom, where Doom guy starts with a gun and then you just escalate to the BFG, this is more a bit like Resident Evil in that you're scrambling for weapons and ammo the whole time. Kind of. Uh, it depends on what level you play, a difficulty you play on. But well, That makes sense. I, it depends on how much ammo you get. Um, but you start with a plasma cutter which is just a basic mining tool it mm -hmm. is very basic and the thing is you can use it to cut the limbs off of these creatures which is what does a lot of damage and also slows them down and gives you space and makes sure they can't kill you quite so quickly um but yeah you, you have to then find other weapons saw blades guns there's only, I think, one, maybe two actual like guns. All the rest are just mining equipment that you're repurposing as weapons. Okay. You can upgrade, obviously, and do other stuff, but... All right. Yeah. So then the next question is, how does the game end? <sighs> um, the first game kind of ends very interestingly. Being that you end up basically making it down to the planet. And once you get to the planet itself, you fight what is the hive mind, which is under that giant crater. You know, the chunk that was taken out of the planet. Uh-huh. And then you escape on a shuttle. Okay. Yeah, and it, again, leaves it that, again, Isaac is messed up in the head. He thinks he wins, and he definitely doesn't. It's been a long time since I played, I have to remember, but I think uh, your girlfriend shows up in the end, like, hi, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, so she is alive. No. She's in your head. Oh, okay. So it's basically saying, no, you didn't actually win. The necromorphs are still around because it's still messing with your head. So does Isaac, so Isaac lives. Yes. But he's, and he gets away from the planet? Yes. Now, does he appear in any future titles? Uh, Definitely two, and I think three. Okay. But he sounds worse for the wear after this. Uh, definitely so. Yeah. It's, it affects him in a lot of ways. It sounds similar okay. to what's going on in The Evil Within, um, where it's like fake reality uh, mindscapes within mindscapes, and when you think you're out, you're not out. Have, you, have either of you guys played The Evil Within? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, Isaac does end up 
at uh asylum at one point so oh okay well i mean that it's some you'd figure that mark mark the way you said that it made me think of has anyone seen tron no 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 yeah no yes i mean scanners was it tron or was it scanners it was tron that's what i thought yeah but this film was nice in a way because it does explain some stuff that the game doesn't because it does kind of go oh how on earth did they find this monolith and how did they and why and what and okay this makes more sense yeah about that monolith what happens to it at the end of the game which one the first one as I said, I believe that one gets destroyed, but again, the point being, that's not the only one. Right. Well, there's one on Earth, I know that. And it's how yeah. the Unitarians get started. But uh, I know there's others. It's just they found it, the one on Aegis 7. Yeah. If I'm correct, that one gets destroyed. Okay. All right. But yeah, there's a more, many markers. All right. So, and though, and now what's interesting to me is, so these things are kind of responsible for the creation of necromorphs, but the necromorphs can't get near it. Correct. Is there ever a reason why, or do we just kind of sit there and is it kind of Cthulhu where we're like, well, it's, that's the way it is. There's a lot of Cthulhu in here. Okay. Uh, some things are never really explained. And so it, being that also that the markers seem to just have existed mm-hmm. and have crashed on planets. And then there's also artificial ones that another intelligent species created. So, yeah, there's some Cthulhu going on here. Okay. You know, Scott, you mentioned the that it reminds you of the evil within. And I think I want to jump on into our rips and picks because this is going to be a, a a partial rip of mine that this and this is a personal thing this is a personal rip um it's that it is neat as this seems it also happens to just be so stock generic you know some kind of evil necro whatever uh, undead creature hunting everyone on a spaceship with blood and gore everywhere. It's it's kind of like, oh, look, another zombie thing in space, but add the word necro to it. And I'm not saying there's no room for that. It's just on a personal level, I'm just kind of tired of it. Um, I can understand the appeal, and I can understand why, you know, if the game is as... as um, kind of scary as thomas put it i could get the appeal of why people enjoyed that but for me as i was watching it i was just thinking oh another one of these um and that's just a per like i said a personal uh taste rip that's all I'm, it's not necessarily a knock against the franchise well i think the one aspect that does have to be taken into account is when this actually the game actually came out the game was pretty much one of the first modern horror games and that 
it leaned very heavy into that horror. It didn't shy away from it. No. In the least. It knows... I'll start with a pick and a rip. It knows what it wants to be, and it never strays from that. It is a, it is a straightforward hack and slash from A to B to C survival in space film where you have alien space zombies uh, controlled, by, uh, controlled and repelled by one all-powerful artifact. And there's some mystery to it, and it knows what it wants to be. And it also knows that it is, um, it's meant to sell a video game. Yeah. And it knows that, and it never, stri- it never strays from that. So that's a pick. There is some commitment to the outline of what this is supposed to be. But it's also a rip, sure. because it never becomes anything more than that. And I think a lot of times we play a video game and we're like, man, the storytelling is great in this. Whoever they got to write this and the voice acting is fantastic. They really should make a movie out of this. The Last of Us, I'm thinking of you. But then when someone does make a movie out of these things, you see why they don't. And you see the difference right. between telling a good story for a video game, which is immersive, and telling a good and interactive and telling a good story for the passive observer. And here's the problem. Artifact. Because artifact. Who? No, artifact. Uh, there's a religion, uh, unitologist, unitology religion, that I feel is something combining sociology and unitarianism. Uh, but we don't explain why. We don't explain any deeper than we need to find all the secrets to unlock our transition into the... I mean... There's some very vague things thrown around here as to why we need to bring this artifact back. Um, And the voice acting is good for a video game, but very subpar for what you would call an animated movie. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where the guy finds his wife or girlfriend dead, and there, there is literally no emotion and no believability in a man who's just watching the love of his life, uh, finding her dead and eviscerated. It's the, the voice know, acting subpar. The storytelling is that, subpar, and the story itself it's it's paper thin. That, that's interesting. You bring up the dialogue because one thing I noticed is, um, it almost seems like some edgy teenager wrote some of the dialogue, or rather, someone wrote the script, and then an edgy teenager brought took it and then added their own. And the manager was like, "Well, my my uh, Mikey gets what Mikey wants because." There's a lot of F-bombs in this just to overemphasize how tough and awesome somebody is. Yeah. Or to emphasize the point. It's like, did you, did you really need to do that there? I mean, it, it, it's like at some point it's almost like um, you're using it in place of a comma. You know, why? What, what is, is yeah. this, is, uh, you're not making me sound, and maybe because I'm older, you know, you know, 18 year old. Rage Master might have thought that was cool, but now as I'm older, it's like it's just stupid. You don't have to do that, and plus you have to show that Alyssa Vincent is edgy because right away she cops a toot and drops an f bomb. She's edgy. It's like you know, I'm I'm yeah, that's I'm a already too. Getting, yeah, I'm already getting a um a uh that this could be a Bobby Draper type character, but you keep ruining it because you keep trying to make her. Edgy, angry, edgy, angry, vulgar. This uh, is yeah. This or is you still could just a... have her be Bobby Draper. That'd be cool. Yeah, and this is still a military. So 
you know, later on in the in the movie when she's yelling at the officer, look, the head of security doesn't get to punch an officer because he's losing his cool. No. You're going in the equivalent of the break. I don't care who you are. That's that just seems to me um that uh, you know, when the captain was going nuts and they decided to to sedate him, okay, makes sense. But um what the heck's going on with that? That just that just just seemed too teenaged edgy to me. You know, me. if you're looking at TV shows, I think this this an analogy for what this would be is this is a spec script turned into a long-running TV show where the writers room would say there's a fantastic idea buried in here. We're going to take it and give this guy a writing credit, this amateur who submitted it a writing credit, and now we're going to let the whole writing room take turns at punching it up. And the writing room would yeah. come through and one person would be responsible for developing a coherent backstory for the unitologists. You would have a dialogue fixer who would go in and fix up this terrible dialogue. And then you would have someone who is actually going to um, come back and look at that and polish it over and build in a little bit. You would have someone who would have to fill this out. You'd have a filler writer who would take it from 74 minutes to the more appropriate 85 or 90 minutes that this should be. Um, and, and you would have people just, it would be polished. There's something here. There's something really good here. And it's probably a better, it is a better script than I could write. You know, it's not exactly a complete fanfic amateur thing, but it's also not up to the level that it needs to be to be more than a video game story. And people listening who write for video games or really love video games, I'm probably insulting you at the moment. But I do apologize because, you know, in in a in like baseball, there's major league players and there's minor league players. And for the well, most part, if you're writing a video game script, that's like the double A, triple A of, of writing, I would say. Then you're trying to move into TV and film. I would I would say they're the thing is they're two different mediums. And when you know Thomas put it really well when he said that this is interactive. And unlike a show, we'll take Star Trek, where the writer has complete control of every aspect. Uh in the game you're trying to make it so that the player can interact and more importantly, wants to interact, wants to care because I've played games, mind you. I'm thinking specifically of um, uh, the last Halo, Halo 5, but also uh, Fable uh, part, uh, what was it? Fable 2, where it got to a point where you were so railroaded and the only way to not, not win the game was shut it off. That's the only way. And by that point you were so not interested in the story that you just didn't want to play it anymore. Or you did just because you were 10 minutes away from completing it. So you went, well, I might as well, I guess, but you got to write in a way that the player wants to actually care and keep playing. So it's a different, thing it's, it explains like you said scott why someone who can write well for a video game can't necessarily translate can't, can't exactly move over i and i'm not claiming i am complete writer uh, amateur writer here let me put that out there i'm no pro but i am helping to write ztf and i'm i stand by our work for what it is and the scale and caliber that it is but if you told me write a video game, I don't think I could do it because I'd be too busy saying, 
well, I want the person to do this. Well, what if the player wants to do something different? Uh, um, Strong arm game uh, master them back onto the path I want them on. Well, and that's not cool. No. Even though that's what you're doing, you need to at least create the illusion that the player could have done something different. Oh, you want to go into that room? Well, it's not time for you to go in that room. What can I say? Yeah, happen? Oh, oh or you go yet. into that room. Oh, what's uh, that? You can. You open up the door that? and there's a full manifestation of Utu, 100 feet tall in God form. Do you leave? Well, I guess I do. <laughs> or you could do the Assassin's You could do the Assassin's Creed route. Oh, you could parkour over anything except for that small rock. Nope, I'm not going to let you parkour over that small rock. You could parkour over the Empire State Building just fine, but that small rock, that's the border you cannot cross, you know? I do have a pick for this movie, and and a really, uh, there's one scene in this movie that resonates with me, and oddly, because I think it's the most human scene in the entire movie, and the most well-drawn. When the one guy turns, they're in that battle scene, and he's going to, he kills the, like, bald purple blue hair woman she finishes up and she goes these guys aren't so tough and the next thing that happens is she gets cut in the the guy like puts his like light chainsaw stabs her through the through the waist with it oh yeah and you see her for a second try to grab it and hold on and then you see that she realizes that she's about to be split in half and you see the animated tear fall down her face as i mean it's to me it's a very powerful moment because in in a moment of her triumph she realizes that she's going to die. And for those half seconds, she's still clinging to the desperate thought that she can stop that thing from cutting her in two. And it's a lot of the, at the essential of what it is to be human. You know, one of the things I've realized is that you never stop planning for the future. Um, you see, you read biographies about guys who are in their 80s, still figuring out what they want to do that are 10, 20 year projects and starting it. And, and you know, you never stop trying for one more second and one more day. And, and she's literally got a light chainsaw, like a lightsaber, coming out of her stomach. And she knows she can't stop this thing from being ripped up through her. And she's going to fight it. It was a powerful, grabbing scene to me. And it, to me, it was probably the most human scene in this entire movie. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I have one that's a, it's a simultaneous rip and pick, and it's the animation. It's a pick because there are scenes that are really well done. But it's also a rip because there are scenes that are not really well done. It's almost like, well, I mean, I know this is how it works. They send it out to multiple animation teams. And I get that's how you maximize output. I get that. But what always confuses me is why you go for different scale and caliber you know you find the best that's apply sure but it almost looks like you instead of saying this is the style we'd like to go for it's just ballpark it and so you get a scene that is really well animated like the guy in the shower you get to see his dong as he's running from a necromorph you get that detail but the rest of the scene doesn't look good at all it's almost like they were saying, well, this, we could farm the scenery out to this group that's going to do a kind of so-so job. But the guy with the dong running around, oh, that better be animated well. It just kind of was. And then sometimes the, the characters, 
it looks a lot like Highlander, the animated series, which the animation and that was awful. And, but then you'll go to the next scene, which is like a necromorph scene, which is like, wow, that is impressive. So it's, it's inconsistent. So it's a simultaneous rip and pick. Okay. Anyone else? Because I think my biggest was, um, well, I, mean, I have I, to. Mine I, was I, mostly just the tiredness of the genre. Oh, I do have a rip at the very end when when Alyssa's floating out there, she, when she does the Ripley sacrifice, and that it, it focuses in on her eye, and you hear the twinkle, twinkle, little star. Can we stop doing that? It's not cool. It's dumb. It's just stupid. Let's just do something catastrophic and have a little child singing a kidsy song. Isn't that going to show the con? Isn't that going to show a contrast? Yeah, but it's dumb. It's been overdone. It's cool when it's done rarely, but now we just kind of ran with it so much that it's like, nah, it's stop. Just stop. Showing her eye and then panning back and just showing her with dead silence because she's in space. That would have been more effective to me. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes it's not about what you say or sing. It's about what you don't say or sing. And I think that's the problem with a lot of writing today is that we do a lot of filler. We just fill it with words, fill it with songs, fill it with words, fill it with songs. And we don't bother to stop and say, is any of this useful? Is this actually contributing to the story? And the answer is no, it's not. If you have to, if you can pull it out of the st the script and the script continues just fine, it's filler. Get rid of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's also, I guess there is a rip I have. Being that it wasn't exactly what I call horrifying. Yeah, it's, I'm guessing the game does a much better job. Yeah, it. It's like it's dead space. I'm supposed to be horrified. Nope. Nope. It, there is definitely. I will say that the at least the animation is nice. It is a very good and nicely animated. Yeah, you can't take anything away from the animation. That that's about the one thing in this. I say you can't take anything away from, but. Oh, I can. I just told you. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm sorry. But it has, the, it, but it yeah, has its, but its moments. It has, it its, has moments its moments, for sure. Yeah. It, it's animated at times very well. So I guess you're looking right. for something to prop this up on. It's the animation. But And I'd say it does overall. Before we rate this thing and, and uh, crash land the ship into the Ishimura, um, I would say that it does the job it sets out to do, which is introduce a newbie to the setting and if you're familiar with the setting fill in that gap of what happened because based on what tom has told me when you play the first game you get enough glimpses to know what happened on the ishimura to have the game make sense but you're still left going but what detailed happened i know enough but i don't know everything and this achieves that Unless Thomas dis unless Thomas is that is that accurate? You played the game. Yeah, that's you explained it accurately enough there. 
Okay. So I guess it, I give the writers credit in that they at least accomplish what they set out to do. The main goal got taken care of. So, and someone might argue, I, I've heard people argue that the very beginning that, oh, I don't like the fact that uh, we're told right away that everyone dies because it starts in media arrests. It's like, but when you start in media arrests, more often than not, you're giving away something. Very few stories cannot start in media arrests and not give it away. I'm thinking the biggest, bestest one would be um, uh, the usual suspects, where it starts in media arrests, but you don't know who Kaiser Sose is until the very end. It keeps that under wraps. And if none of you sickies or you guys have seen the usual suspects, see it. It is one of the best movies ever made. I implore you to see strong endorsement. Yeah. It is it see it. It is wonderful. The dialogue, everything, the usual suspects. Check it out. But with that in mind, I think we're gonna have to rate this thing. We're gonna have to pull this into the Ishimura. Uh how many monoliths do we give this? Ooh. All right. I, I will go first. Being I played the game. I would be tempted to give this one a higher rating. Sure. But being that also doesn't really, in my opinion, do a good job of other than giving you a little backstory, I kind of don't like it. So I have to give it maybe a two. Yeah, I think I'm giving it a two. It's not that it's not that great, and I feel it kind of does a disservice. Could have been better. Yeah. Yes. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you, Thomas. Here's the thing. It, um, it's, a, it's an okay story for a video game. If this was a story in a video game, I'd say it's okay. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's good enough for a AAA video game storyline. But as a movie, uh, it... it doesn't do a good enough job explaining to me what the artifact is, why it's important. It doesn't, doesn't do a good enough job explaining why it's transforming human beings into alien zombies. And, it, you know, you, you got a religion that isn't developed at all. And you've got a bunch of paper-thin characters that nobody cares about that's uh, done with, across the board, I would have to say, subpar voice acting uh, if we're looking at it for a movie versus a AAA video game. Um... So I'll, I'll say this is a two, and it's, it's like you took a single-A ball player up or double-A ball player up and, and put him in the all-star game in the major leagues, and you can't understand why he can't perform at the level that he usually does, um, and not even the best double-A ball player. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stoke my interest in the game. After watching this film, there, there's nothing there that makes me go, you know, I want to go play Dead Space. Um, I think that Ultimately, this is an example of why mainstream writers do not convert video games into stories more often, into films. So it's, it's two. Uh, it's just uh, nothing original. It's mostly derivative. And it, it, it's just a hack and slash cartoon. And the yeah. animation isn't good enough to save it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give it a a three. I was going to say three or four, but now that I'm thinking on it, about a three. It's 
as I said, the theme just bores me. I've seen this a thousand times before. Uh, and, and you're right, Thomas, maybe this came out sooner than the other things, but it's just, you know, it would be, uh, I've just seen it before. Uh, I agree. It could have been better. You might've been able to hook me on it and overcome that had you not been so stocked. And does this now I will lean in with this. Would I play the game? Yeah, probably this actually intrigued me enough to maybe play the game just for the atmosphere and to see everything else. But otherwise I think I'd be more into the game because of the atmosphere and the game style than the story, because the story just makes me go, Oh look, future society where there's a religious extremism, a random Cthulhu thing and space zombies. Hmm. Let me go through the Rolodex here and find out how many other things have done this. Um, so and again, the animation is fine, but it's nothing that makes me say, wow, holy crap. And the voice acting is just that, and the dialogue is very, very young adult edgy. So, uh, yeah, it gets a three. I mean, would I watch it again? I don't know. Probably not. So this is not a, uh, what do you call it? This is, it almost looks like it's trying to be Event Horizon, but not as good. Event Horizon was far superior to this. So um, they just got it right. So uh, I think that's it for today. So thank you all for coming. I would like to remind you, Sickies, that if you haven't listened, that we have Zodiac Task Force. The last episode dropped at the beginning of the month. Also this week dropped the latest Cold Case Chase, which is near and dear to my heart because it's about the Cleveland Torso murders. And it wraps up Ruck's excellent storyline, which Scott got to help out in. So check that out. Also tune in for Case of the Chills. The last episode was on uh, shoot the Cecil Hotel, which in my mind was the best episode yet of Case of the Chills. And also there's cross-examination, and they will be doing another one now that we've found out who the Zodiac Killer was. Uh, you can bet your bottom buttermilk pancakes. Well, the FBI is still denying that. All right, well, you can bet your bottom buttermilk buckwheat pancakes that uh, they're going to do a cross-examination about that. So, Ruck, now i just thrown you under the bus. Congratulations. Um, and any of any of the other great pro, uh, programs we have. And, and, of course, pretty soon we'll be doing another uh, cold case chase. Or, excuse me, a case closed. The next case closed, I happen to forget, but tune in anyway to find out what the next topic will be as they wind up in the new season. If you want to learn more about these programs, you could go contact us at ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Rage Master, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. And watch out for Carol Baskin.
Hey, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is a uh, sci-fi melody. Dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun. <laughs>